When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora, and welcome to the long-running chemical celebration of the periodic table that is Elemental from RNZ. I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology. And I'm Alison Balance. And in episode 88, we are up to titanium, which I think of as light and strong and quite pretty too, I think. Yep, that's the one, and we will come back to those features later. But firstly, names, vital statistics, all of that stuff. The name Titanium comes from the Latin Titans, who were apparently the mythical first sons of the Earth. So it has an elemental symbol of Ti. It has an atomic number of 22. That makes it a transition metal. It's in the first row of the transition metals towards the left-hand side. Now, titanium was first found, or should I say compounds of titanium, were first found in 1791, but the element itself might well hold the record for the longest time between the discovery of the element and its isolation in pure form. This is kind of cool. So, as I said, titanium was identified as a new element in a sample of black sand in the year 1791. But all efforts to obtain the pure metal out of that black sand actually failed. Where was Humphrey Davy, I ask, in all of this? You'd think he would have been there busy trying to do that. So they all failed until the year 1910. So that's a, a fair few years. That's a very long time. It is. And even so, it took until 1946 for a commercially viable production procedure to be developed, thereby allowing the desirable properties of metallic titanium to be used. And I can speak from experience here, my right wrist is testament to at least a couple of those desirable properties, osseointegration and strength. And from that I take it you are a partially bionic professor. (laughs) Uh, Yes, indeed. I managed to fall off my bike while travelling at the enormous speed of about five kilometres an hour and break my right wrist and left arm at the same time. Ouch! Uh, Yes, wasn't too happy about that. Did discover the uh, effects of uh, nitrous oxide in the ambulance, though. It was fantastic, I think, as I've talked about previously. So, in fact, my wrist was broken so badly that it needed surgery to insert some plates and screws, and these were made of titanium. And the one thing I can say is that I can attest to the fact, and my partner can certainly attest to the fact, that it's no fun having both arms in plaster up to the shoulder at the same time. No. Can, can you tell that you have a lump of titanium in your wrist? Is it there still, and does it set off metal detectors at the airport? No, actually it doesn't. You can't tell it's in there. It doesn't set off metal detectors. And one of the reasons that they use titanium in such circumstances is that titanium... Osseo integrates, 
And what that means is that it essentially gets incorporated in the bone. So in other words, bone grows directly on titanium, which is kind of rare. So amazing stuff, that. Now, the corrosion resistance of titanium is also important, obviously, both in these implants, you wouldn't want them sort of rusting inside you, and also in industrial applications such as, uh, for example, offshore oil rigs, uh, submarines and desalination plants. Which makes it sound as if titanium is actually quite widespread in its uses. Does this mean it's cheap and common? Yeah, fairly. It's the ninth most abundant uh, element in the Earth's crust. So the metal is strong and lightweight, those desirable properties I was talking about before, and that makes it very, very useful in applications such as aircraft and rockets, and also, rather ironically, in bicycle frames. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Yes. Were you riding a titanium bike at the time? I think I might have been, actually, yeah. Oh, it possibly. goes with your silver speaker cables, Professor. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> Yes, so back to titanium. So because it's light and strong, an Airbus A380 contains around about 70 tonnes of titanium. It's a fair old whack. It is a whack of titanium to be flying around, but it's probably less of a whack than if you had to use some other metal, I suppose. Indeed. And speaking of whacks, that was a good segue. It's also used in golf clubs and spectacle frames. Which you wouldn't want to whack. Hey, didn't we come across... (laughs) titanium in memory metal or something in glass frames? Indeed, nitinol, yes, the nickel-titanium alloy, indeed. Ah, right, so back in the nickel episode, everybody. (laughs) Well, I have neither a titanium bike frame or titanium glass frames, but I have flown in aeroplanes, those things that contain large amounts of the stuff. Are there uses closer to home where I might come across it? Very much so. So the most important and, in fact, the most used compound of titanium is a thing called titanium dioxide. And this is a brilliant, brilliant white. And uh, because of this, it gets used in things like paints, plastics, paper, and, uh, of all things, toothpastes. And it also is widely used in sunscreen as it efficiently absorbs ultraviolet radiation. Ah, that's that familiar shiny patina that you get when you rub your sunscreen in. Mm-hmm. Hey, I mentioned at the top of the show that I thought of titanium as being pretty. Yeah, now it's got a very interesting property that uh, you get a very, very thin coating of titanium dioxide on metallic titanium. And if you play around with the thickness of this titanium dioxide coating, what you find is quite literally a veritable rainbow of colours. So this is what gives titanium jewellery its distinctive appearance. So other uses of titanium dioxide, uh, this is becoming more and more widely used in self-cleaning windows, which sound like wonderful things to me. You put a thin film of titanium dioxide on a window, that then gets activated by ultraviolet light, and that then allows the chemical breakdown of dirt... And also the film of titanium dioxide encourages water on the glass to actually spread out in thin films rather than sort of beading and forming droplets. And then this allows dirt to be easily washed away. I am loving the sound of (laughs) self-cleaning windows. Thank you, titanium. Uh, Interesting fact. Okay, so a compound of titanium called titanium tetrachloride, that has the chemical formula TiCl4. It's known amongst chemists as tickle or tickle 4. Nice. Uh, I I kid you not. And it's a liquid under ambient conditions, and it's used in, of all things, skywriting. And 
I must admit I haven't seen any skywriting for an awfully long time. I think it was more popular when I was a kid. Anyway, how does this work? So TiCl4 is very, very moisture sensitive. So as soon as it comes in contact with uh, moisture in the atmosphere, it forms a smoke which contains uh, fumes of HCl and very, very tiny particles of TiO2. And titanium tetrachloride's also been used to produce military smoke screens for this very reason. Well, we won't be needing any smoke screens to hide behind for this podcast, as I think we'd like as many people as possible to know about it. So we should be doing a bit of skywriting instead. Listen to Elemental. And the best way for other people to find us so that they can listen to us is by word of mouth. So, dear listeners, if you're enjoying the series, why not tell your friends and family about it? RNZ Elemental, available on most podcast apps. And we're also available at rnz.co.nz forward slash chemistry. Next time, we are up to tungsten. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Alan Blackman. And me, Alison Balance. Matewa. 